So uh, if you would turn to, I guess, 2 Samuel. We, we talked, you know, about Saul, and we've kind of talked about him off and on the last few weeks. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the slippery slope that Saul was on. And if you all remember, we talked about Saul and how he uh, was, God was using Saul, and then Saul decided to go his own direction. And that was the beginning of his downfall. Y'all remember Samuel came to him and, and said, Saul, uh, what did God tell you to do? And, and uh, wipe out all of these people. And he ends up keeping the kings and keeping the best of the livestock. And uh, so he starts down a slope. Well, in about the 30th chapter, I think there's the last chapter of 1 Samuel. I think it's 30 or 31 there. Uh, Saul ends up dead, okay? Now, Saul has a son named Jonathan. Well, Jonathan and David, King David, okay? Jonathan and David are the best of friends. As you go through that book of Samuel, you realize that Saul becomes jealous of David because they sing songs about uh, Saul killed his thousands and David killed tens of thousands and... And Saul becomes jealous of David. <coughs> he decides he wants to kill him. So he's going to kill David. Although David was a, a servant of Saul, and he was faithful servant of Saul, uh, he decides he's going to kill him. So Jonathan is Saul's son. Uh, they begin to talk. He and David, as I said, they're the best of friends. And uh, they put some tests together to see if Saul really wants to kill David, and sure enough, that's Saul's desire to kill David. So if you go over to, if you want to turn back here, you can. Uh, 1 Samuel, about chapter 20. Let me get back there. Uh, I want you all to see this one thing right here. 1 Samuel chapter 20. I didn't even tell him to put this on the board, but about verse 20. Uh, well, let's go about verse 15. Uh, this is Jonathan and David talking. Uh, Do not cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut everyone off of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account, and may Jonathan uh, and... Uh, Jonathan and David returned uh, to his path. I've got this underlined. I can't read it anymore. But drop down to verse 20 uh, if you're over there. No, it's not, first, it's not verse 20. Uh, go all the way over to 42. I'll get there. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have a sworn friendship. This is where I wanted you to see. They're, they're leaving each other at this point, Okay. And Jonathan says to David, Go in peace, because we have a sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. The Lord is your witness between you and me, and between your, what? Between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to town. So uh, I want you to remember that conversation right there. And, and we're going to talk this morning, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, go down to verse 4, I just want to read, no, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 4, we're doing a Bible drill this morning, if you all not notice, 
2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, says this, Jonathan, the son of Saul, uh, who had a lame son in both feet, he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled, and his name was Melphibosheth. Okay? So we're going to, I'll explain all that. You may already know, but I want to explain what that's talking about. But remember verse 4. And I want you to think about how many times it says in Scripture he was crippled. He was crippled. He was crippled. And the title of my sermon this morning is, is Crippled from the Fall. And so we kind of see the picture here. Saul is wanting to kill David. Jonathan and David are the best of friends. Now, one more thing to kind of set up before we start. Saul's the king. So who's, who's uh, in line to be the next king when Saul dies? Jonathan. So who would be in line to be the next king when Jonathan died? That would be Melphibosheth. Okay, so, so that's the picture we have. That's how... Things would take place, the king was there, the king would die, that would be passed on to his son. When that king died, that would be passed on to his son. And that's kind of my first point this morning, the, the grief that was suffered because of what's taken place. Now, Melphibosheth, he has royal blood in his veins. He, uh, he was the great-grandson, he was the grandson of King Saul, the king of Israel. Uh, he was an heir to Jonathan. If Jonathan, anything happened to Jonathan... Uh, he would automatically become king. He was born in splendor. Now, I wanted you this morning to think about one of the nicest places you've ever been. I mean, that could be on vacation. That could be on your patio. That could be uh, anywhere that you've been that you can just think about, man, that was just a great time. You know, I, I loved it. It was so beautiful there. It was it was everything I expected. Maybe you, maybe you had an all-inclusive uh, trip somewhere. Maybe it was a cruise. Maybe it was whatever it was. You, you just went and you, you just spoiled yourself. You know, if you haven't done that, put it on your bucket list. But, but uh, you just, I want you to think about that because I want you to get the picture of Melphibosheth because he's born in the palace. Okay. He's born in the, probably the nicest place of all of Israel. He, he's in the palace of the king. He wanted for nothing. He, he, had the, he had the best things a little boy could want. I mean, he, he grew up with the best clothing. He, he grew up with the best toys, the best playthings. He grew up in the, the, the best food that he wanted. He never lacked anything. Now, we read over here that he was crippled. But you did catch that when he was a boy, he was not crippled. He's running in the palace. He's, he's playing in the palace. He, he, he has a future. I'm sure that he's, his parents and probably his, his keeper there is, is saying, hey, you know, you're going to be a king one day. And, oh, you're going to be a great king. You're so handsome and you're so strong. And, and you're just going to be a great king one day. And it's just a matter of time. You're going to, all of this kingdom is going to be yours. And everything you see is going to be yours. So he grows up with that ideal. He's a, he's a future king and he's going to be a great king. And, and he's hearing that and he's being taught that. But all of a sudden, some tragic circumstances take place. Just 
all of a sudden, and we know that from reading this passage of Scripture, that all the future is fixing to change for Melphibosheth. Now go over to 2 Samuel chapter 9. That really is where we're going this time. 2 2 Samuel chapter 9. David has become king. Okay? So David's the king, and and, uh, Jonathan's dead, and Saul is dead, and they've anointed David as king of Israel, and David's sitting around one night, and he, he just... Ask there, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Okay? So David doesn't know Melphibosheth. He doesn't know he's been born. He didn't know Jonathan had a son. He didn't know anything about him because, remember, they parted ways. They cried and hugged and realized that they would never see each other. So there was a servant there in Saul's household named Ziba, okay? Now, he was from Saul's household. Did you see that? And they called him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, Your servant, he replied. The king answered, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul whom I can show kindness to? Then Ziba answered the king, There is still the son of Jonathan, but he's crippled in both feet. Now, why do you think he said that? I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but did you catch that? There's a son of Jonathan, but he's really no threat to you. That's kind of what he said, isn't it? He's crippled. He, he's, just a, he's just a crippled kid. Where is he, the king asked, and Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makar in the Amal in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Maker, the son of Amel. And then Melphibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Melphibosheth, your servant, he replied. Look at verse 7. David said, don't be afraid, for surely I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I'll restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Now Melphibosheth bowed down, and look what he said. What is your servant that you should even notice me? Just a dog, a dead dog like me. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. And you and your your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him. Bring him all the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Melphibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 12 servants, so... He had a large group of people going to be working for him. Melphibosheth did working for him. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord king commands his servant to do. So Melphibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Melphibosheth had a young son named Micah. Uh, And all the members of Ziba's house were servants of Melphibosheth. And Melphibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And he was crippled in both feet. Now we see it again. 
Well, I want us to think about this. We talked about the grief that he suffered. I want to think about the crown that he would not wear. At five years old, Melphibosheth's growing up. He's growing fast. He's very impressionable at that age. In every area, he has a nanny that watches out for him. I'm sure they didn't want him to, to get into too much trouble. So one day, Melphibosheth, just think about this. This is kind of my thought on this. He's out playing in the, uh, in the castle, in the palace. He's running up and down the... The, the corridors, he may be aggravating palace guards and, and picking at them, whatever he's doing, and he's just having fun. He's just been a little boy. And all of a sudden, this chariot comes uh, flying through the gates of the palace, and, and there's a rig uproar, and news starts to spread real quick, and, and he, uh, Melphibosheth probably hears people saying, you got to get out of the kingdom, you got to get out of the palace, you, you've got to go, you've got to go. And, and here's this servant girl, she, she grabs Melphibosheth up and, and she says, you don't, you, you don't understand what's happening, we've got to get out of the kingdom, we've got to leave this place. So from that time on, the palace is only a memory. You know why that happened? Because in those times when a new king out of that family line came over, he just killed everybody from that old king's family. He didn't want any, he didn't want any conspiracies. He didn't want anybody coming in and, and uh, saying, hey, we re really deserve the kingdom. You know, we're, we're heirs to the king. And so the new king would come in. He would just wipe out everybody, and he would establish his kingdom. So I'm sure that palace where Melphibosheth had grown up, uh, it's only going to play a place he remembers. It's just going to be a place that he says, you know what, I occupied that place. It was my grandfather's place and my father's place, and, and I'm the son of Saul and Jonathan, but they're dead now, and, and they're gone now, and I'm sure as, as this uh, servant girl, this nanny scooped him up, and she ran out. It says she dropped him. I, I figure she fell on him, but... I don't know that, but, but she dropped him. Whatever she did, she, he broke both of his feet. He broke both of his legs. And maybe because they didn't have time to get proper medical care, maybe it was some injury that couldn't, uh, couldn't be fixed. But whatever reason, they leave the, the countryside. They're, they have to get out of there. Now, I think that's kind of a, a, a neat story because evidently this nanny really loved him. She really cared for him. She, she was trying to protect him. So, so they get up, and they, they, they get away quickly. They hide out. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about what Melphibosheth was told when Jonathan was alive, and now what he's told that Jonathan and Saul is dead. We're going to talk about where they lived in, in just a minute, but, but I want you to think about what the stories must have went to. Oh, Melphibosheth, we had to leave the kingdom because there's a, an evil king there now. There's a guy there that wants to kill you now. There's a guy there that, that he's taken over your kingdom. And if, if he knows you're alive, then he's going to come and he's going to kill you too. And he's going to wipe all of us out. So just, just forget about the palace. Just forget about your inheritance. Just forget about all those things because we're going to be hiding out. And on top of that, you're a cripple. You're a cripple. So, so we see the, the grief that he suffered. We see the crown that he lost. And then we see that he can't walk. The nanny runs. We've already talked about it. She's got him in the arms. She, she falls or drops him, whatever happens. So uh, his life is spared, but he's useless. 
He, he called himself just a dead dog. Who am I, just a dead dog that you just care about me? So, so just, just get that whole picture. I want us this morning to, to really just put our minds where, where Melphibosheth must have been, mentally where he must have been. He's a castaway. He has no worth. I remind, we were sitting around, the, uh, the youth had a swimming party yesterday, and we were sitting around talking, and, and Denise made this statement. We, we went to, a, uh, when we went to Jamaica last time on our mission trip, we went to uh, a uh, orphanage and uh, also to a infirmary is what they call it, and it's kind of a, just a, it's like a nursing home slash hospital for, for people, but but they said, you know, in Jamaica, if you have a if you have a crippled person, adult or child, they're useless, and they just they just become wards of the government because literally the families can't afford to pay for them. They can't afford to feed them because there's no production coming from them. So so basically, they're just they're just castaways. They they just they just get cast away. Because they're no good to society, they're they're really no good to anyone. They may be loved, but they're they're really of no worth. And and that's the picture we have of Melphibosheth. He's he's of no worth. He escaped, but but really, where did he escape to? Where did they go? They were living in the palace, and then the Bible says they went to a place called Lodabar. And that place, Lodabar, I've, I've talked about this before, it means a place of no pasture. It also means no thing. In other words, it's a dry, barren, bleak wilderness. It's a, it's a desert area. So he goes from living in the palace to the, to, the, to the best of things, the greenest grass, the biggest fruit trees, the big shade trees, all the things of the palace, he goes to a place of no pasture, a place of, of barren, bleak wilderness, from a place of beauty in the palace to a, to a place where, where there's nothing. Now, again, I want you to put yourself in his position. What was he thinking? Oh, I can't believe I'm, I'm out here living now where you can't even feed animals. They, the animals can't even survive here. But here, I'm at, here I am, I'm, I'm, at least I'm safe, I'm... I, I was provided for in the kingdom. I, I had all I wanted in the kingdom, but, but now I'm in a place of no pasture, but I'm alive. That's all he had going for him. I wonder if he ever laid there at night and, and looked at his crippled feet or his crippled legs and, and thought about running in the palace and thought about growing up in that all the things that was around him, all the things that he had. If he think, thought about his future and... And as he thought about those things, he just looked out the window at, at barrenness and nothing. I just wonder that. I wonder if that's what he thought. So, so what might have been, he may have been thinking, what might have been. So I want us to get that. Many years have passed. He's been here for years. He's, he's at that place of no pasture for years. So, so I spent all that time for us to get that mental picture, and I, I want to get that mental picture too. So, so I want us to look at the second part of this, the grace that was supplied to him. So he's invited to the palace. Think about this. How did he grow up? He grew up understanding that king wants to kill me. He probably grew up understanding if it wasn't for King David, 
you wouldn't be in a place of no pasture. If it wasn't for King David, uh, you would have all you wanted. If it wasn't for King David, you'd be, you'd be in the palace today. If it wasn't for King David, you'd have all the pleasures of life and all the fineries of life. He had to grow up with that understanding because somebody had to explain to him how he moved from the palace to the place of no pasture, to the desert, to the barren wilderness, and that's the only explanation there was. But all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door, and there's a voice calling out, and Melphibosheth might have said, oh, no, that's the, that's the uh, king's court. I can understand that's something that the king has sent out here, and his heart was probably beating fast, and he probably thought, this is the end. After all these years, he's found me. He's discovered me. This is the end. But, but we hear this knock on the door, and... and Somebody says, hey, Melphibosheth, are you in there? And, and maybe he recognized the voice. He might have said, that's Zeba. You know, it says that Zeba was from the, from the house of Saul. He might have said, hey, I recognize that. My, this guy served my father. This guy served my grandfather. This is, this is one of my father's servants. Maybe I'm okay. Maybe he's just come and, and, and to tell me that, that I'm going to be okay. But the Zeba said, hey, I have great news for you. The king wants to see you. <laughs> you think he said, oh, I'm really excited about that, you know. I imagine he was thinking, oh, no, don't take me to the king. I, I don't, I don't want to see the king. I, the king's never done anything for me. The king is the reason I'm in the, the shape that I'm in today. But Zeba said this, he wants to be kind and gracious to you. He wants to bring you to his palace, and he wants me to bring you right now to his palace. So, so Melphibosheth, he's carried out to, to the whatever they were in that time. He's carried out, he's placed there in the coach, and he's, he's taken to the, to the palace. I'm sure he was carried in to the, to the palace and preparations have been made and these festivities have been planned for, for Melphibosheth's arrival and, and they have a meal fit for a king and, and the guards, they, they open the gates and the trumpets blare that Melphibosheth is here and David arrives and he sees Melphibosheth for the first time ever. He looks at him for the first time ever. Maybe he said, oh, he, he looked just like his dad. Man, he looked just like Jonathan. I remember when Jonathan looked like that. He, he reminds me so much of his dad. And, and Melphibosheth, he, he, he insists on being lowered to the floor. We read that right there in verse 8, that he, he laid flat on the floor. And, and he said, bowing before the king, he said, what is your servant that you should even notice a dead dog like me? He, he just goes to the floor. He's invited to the palace. He's invited to the king's table. And he bows before the king. He says, I'm your servant. My legs don't work. I'm of no value to you, king. I'm just, a, I'm just crippled from the fall. I can't do anything for you. I mean, king, I'm, I'm here, but I messed up in the past. Because I've messed up in the past, I'm crippled up, and now I realize I'm no use to the king. That's what we see here. But look what, look, what John, look what David did. We've already read this. Verses 9 and 10, what does he do? I'm going to paraphrase it. The day that Melphibosheth probably dreamed would never be possible. The day he, he never dreamed it would ever happen, David said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you all of Saul and Jonathan's kingdom. I'm going to give it all to you. It was yours. 
You are the, you are the heir to the kingdom, and I'm going to give it to you. And I'm not going to give it to you because of anything you've done. I'm going to give it to you because of what your father has done. Because of the covenant that I made. So, so he enters the palace and, and he's, he was exiled. He was gone from the palace and all of a sudden he's put into a, a position of great honor. And this is something we lose in translation. David said this, he will eat at my table continually. You know what David did? He put him as a place of authority. He didn't say, okay, Melchizedek, I'm going to let you be a servant. I'm going to let you live out in the, in the horse barn. It's a really nice living quarters I built out there for you. I'm going to let you be out there, and, and there will be some servants that will help you out. He said, no, you're going to become, and you're going to sit at my table, and you're going to become just like one of my children. You're going to become one of the, the king's son. Look at what verse 11 says. And Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever the, your Lord commands his servants to do. That's after David said, hey, I want y'all to go. I want y'all to farm his land. I want you to bring him everything that his crops makes. I want you to take care of all his needs. You go do those things. But look at that last part. Melphibosheth ate at David's table just like one of the sons. See, David put him in a place of honor. David raised him up from that, hey, I'm just a cripple. I, I can't do anything for you, king. I'm just, I'm an outcast. I, I'm of no value. And David said, you know what? You are, you are one of the king's children. I'm going to put you at that place of authority. Well, this morning, so what's his story? Is it just a neat story to, to talk about and listen about? I want you to think about that. You and I are just like Melphibosheth. We were crippled from the fall. We can go back into first of Genesis and we can understand there was a fall that took place. And because of the fall, we were crippled. And because we were crippled, we were no longer useful for the king. Because the Bible says we were separated from God at that point. And if you would say today, well, I, I, I really don't know about that, well, it's true. The, the Bible says because we inherited a sinful nature. It doesn't list a group of sins that said if you've done this, 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 and this, then you, you have, you, you've been, uh, become an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. It says this, because you inherited a sinful nature from the fall of man that no longer can we be at the king's table. But God made a covenant with us through Jesus Christ. He had the old covenant, which is the Old Testament. But God made a covenant, and he said, you know what? I have a new covenant, and it's through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, that you can come back to the king's table. You can be placed back, and, and you can eat as one of my children. You know, the Bible says we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means we, we inherit what Jesus Christ inherits. But that doesn't automatically happen. It happens when the king of kings, God, he calls upon us and we're in, a, we're in a setting and we feel the spirit of God moving within our heart and we feel God calling us into himself. And we realize I'm like Melphibosheth. There's nothing I can do for myself. Spiritually, I'm crippled. I can't heal my own sin. I can't work through my own sin. I can't do anything for myself. I'm going to have to have some help. And God says, I've got your help. 
and it's in Jesus Christ. And, and we're just like Melphibosheth that you and I both are. We've, we've been separated from the King of Kings, but, but Jesus Christ came. He gave us that invitation that we might come, that we might restore that relationship with God the Father. I want to ask you to bow your heads. I want you to think about this. Because of the covenant God made through his son Jesus Christ with us, he says this, I'll give you new life. I'll give you new status. I invite you to the marriage supper of the Lamb that we be around the king's table. Now, we don't have to wait till the rapture of the church. We don't have to wait. We, re we receive that today. But what folks don't realize is when we choose our own way when we never accept Jesus Christ our personal say we're living in Lodabar we're living in a place of no pasture a dry thirsty land but because of the king's covenant we have an invitation to be at the king's table did you catch that part forevermore Jonathan ate at the king's table God says this, when we come to him, we come crippled and broken from the fall. We come with no ability to help ourselves. But he says this, I'm going to restore to you. I'm going to give you a new heaven. I'm going to give you a new earth. I'm going to give you new legs. When, when Melphibosheth scooted them crippled legs under the table, you know what? He just looked like one of the kids. When we stand before God and say, you know what, God, I've, I've failed you. I'm, I'm of no use to you. I've got a past. We've all got pasts. Folks, you, you may say, I, you don't understand what I've done. Well, I know what God's done, and he said, I'll forgive your sin if you'll confess it before me. Father, I pray this morning that we'd understand that we're crippled from a fall. Father, but you have restored to us the ability when that separation took place, when we ran from you, that, Father, you restored to us the ability to be part of your family again, to give us a new life, to invite us to your table. But, Father, it takes something on our part. We may look at ourselves and say, well, who am I but as the dead dog? Father, we see you see value, you see worth. You see in our eyes somebody that you sent your only son to die upon a cross for that we might have life. Lord, I pray today that we would come to you just as we are, crippled and broken and ruined. Father, we'd give you those pieces, and Lord, we'd know that you desire to restore us, restore a relationship with us, and give us a home eternally with you. Lord, I pray also that just any foolishness, any words, Father, today that would, uh, would not be the truth, Lord, I pray that they would be taken from my minds. But those things which are true, those things which are trustworthy, those things which are right, I pray that we would dwell upon those things. And Lord, I pray that we would see and feel the movement of your Spirit today, and we'd surrender our all to you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.